Our reading is taken from John 11, verses 1 to 45. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he went to see his disciples. Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews, were try the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they will see, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didmus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will, will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. 
and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After this, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have they laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad order, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hand and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus said, what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Fantastic. Shall we pray together?
Father God, would you speak to each one of us this morning words of new life and encouragement? Would you soften our hearts and unstop our ears? Be glorified this morning, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for that reading. I'm sure it was a bit lengthy, but I thought it was really important that we get a sense of the whole story, a story which I'm sure is familiar to most of you here. I'm sure that you will probably remember that last week when I was preaching on Moses, his birth, and drew attention to the challenging circumstances by which he came into the world. It was a story that revealed the sovereignty of God, his goodness and faithfulness in the face of great adversity. And it seems like this week we're yet again another story where there is great adversity. I'm sure it's a story that you are all really familiar with, that powerful account of Lazarus being restored to life by Jesus. In fact, it's such a well-known Bible story that the name Lazarus has come to be associated with anyone who makes a remarkable recovery from illness or who survives against the odds. Perhaps they get the nickname Lazarus. It's a story that reveals to us the full extent of Jesus' power, of his sovereign rule and reign. And John's Gospel, there are a series of seven signs that all point towards Jesus and reveal something about his character and nature. And this is the last of the seven signs that reveals the full extent of Jesus' power and authority here on earth. And yet we know that it prefigures his very uh, passion that will occur in the next few chapters in John's Gospel. It culminates in his death and then in his own resurrection. We know that Jesus is secure in his identity of who he is, of what he came to do here on earth. And yet throughout John's Gospel we hear again and again and again The goal of Jesus' life was to bring God glory. And we heard that again in this morning's reading. The purpose of his life was to bring God glory, to bring about the plan that God had intended and to therefore bring glory to his Father. So as we look at this story, I've chosen a few verses to pick up on uh, and to uh, reflect on and think about a little bit more. The first is that I want us to look at verse 5. And it says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that he was ill, he stayed where he was for two days. The Gospel accounts makes it really clear that this was a family that was known to Jesus. A family that he loved and loved deeply. Mary and Martha occur again and again in the Gospel accounts, and Lazarus was their brother, and we're told that he loved them. But doesn't that seem bizarre, that when he gets a message that his close friend Lazarus is severely ill, potentially dying, that he doesn't choose to drop everything and run to Bethany, which is only two miles, less than an hour's journey. Instead, the Gospel account tells us that he chose to stay where he was for another two days. That seems pretty extraordinary to me. 
I'm, I'm tempted to say it doesn't feel very loving. If someone rang me up and said, or a close friend rang me up and said, you know, someone's really, really ill. Uh, I think they're close to death. And I say, oh, <laughs> don't worry. I'm just finishing my dinner. I'll be along tomorrow. That wouldn't appear to be very loving or compassionate. And yet this is what we see in this gospel account. And yet Jesus must have loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He must have felt deeply for them. So why didn't he run straight to Bethany? What was going on? Well, Jesus doesn't stay put, I believe, because he was sort of lukewarm in his feelings towards Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He doesn't stay put because he's too busy, because he had something too pressing to be doing in Jerusalem. It tells us that Jesus stayed put because he loved them. Well, that seems like a pretty funny way to show someone that you love them. Jesus stayed in the same place. Jesus let things go from bad to worse. Jesus let things get to the stage almost beyond repair, it would appear. And he did this because he loved them. Jesus puts it this this way. This illness won't end in death, although in fact Lazarus did die, but rather it is so God can be glorified. The Son of God will be glorified through it. That seems pretty extraordinary. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die in order that the glory of God could be revealed through his healing and resurrection. He knew what he was going to do. He knew what the Father had asked him to do, and so he allowed his close friend Lazarus to die in order that the glory of God would be revealed. When Jesus allows the world he loves to unravel, he does it so that God's glory might be revealed. It may seem cruel to have let Lazarus linger two more days, but Jesus had a reason for waiting before he set out for Bethany. Jesus waits, allowing Lazarus to die so that the full power of God's glory might be revealed. The last enemy, death, would be defeated. I think from this we learn that it's not preferable to avoid suffering and miss out on God's glory. He loves us through suffering so that we might witness the power and the glory of God at work. You see, Jesus arrives exactly when he intended to. He wasn't late. He arrived at just the right moment. His timing is perfect, not ours. His will is perfect, not ours. 
The waiting wasn't for suffering to continue as some kind of cruel joke, but rather a plan unfolding to reveal the power of God and the full glory of who he was. Maybe some of us are waiting to be cured of a sickness. Maybe we're waiting for a job, perhaps struggling with infertility, struggling with waiting for a spouse, fighting maybe just to even get up in the morning because life is just really hard at the moment. Well, know this, God's timing is perfect. It's probably different from ours, but it's perfect. He's smarter than we are, so my encouragement is pray for patience, understanding, insight, God's insight into the situation. Wait on him, trust in him. He's not inactive. Rest in his supreme power and his glory. The second verse I want us to look to is verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now this is important. The fact that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, it reveals something to us about the nature of the fact that him being dead, and I mean really dead, no chance of coming back. You see, in Hebrew thought and understanding, when a a body, when someone died, the spirit would hover over the body for three days. And on the fourth day, you would know that the person was definitely dead. No chance of them coming back or being sleeping or just being temporarily uh, out of it. This man was dead, well and truly. So on the fourth day, when the funeral was over, and the finality of death was starting to settle in for Mary and Martha. Jesus appears on the scene. The fourth day, it was the day that his death was, it had become really real. There was no chance of him just sleeping and he'd wake up later. No chance that it was a bad dream, something they had imagined. And Mary and Martha, they come up to Jesus and they approach him with just the same words. If you had been here, I wonder how often we have used those words with Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if only you'd come when I'd asked, Lord, life hurts and I asked you for help and I felt like you've left me out here to suffer. Lord, it's too late. Late. The grief is here to stay. The door is shut. The tomb is sealed. It's over. It's finished. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Has God's apparent absence in your life made you grieve? made you unhappy, made you sad, made you angry. You may remember a few weeks ago I shared the story of how I came to faith. And when my best friend's dad 
suddenly died. I wondered where God was. I wondered if he still cared about me and my best friend Andrew, his mum and his two brothers. It took me a long time to realise that God had not, in fact, abandoned me. It was, in fact, the other way round. I had abandoned God. I'd turned my back on him and gone my own way. God was waiting for me. Waiting for me to return. Waiting for my anger, frustration, despair to subside so that I could see that God was there and had always been there, waiting for me. In verse 21, when Martha tells Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's hard to tell whether she's confessing her faith in Jesus and his power to change the situation, or if she's accusing him of neglecting her friend and saying, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you save him? Either way, it doesn't really matter because Jesus' response to her is, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he challenges her. Jesus asked Martha if she believes. It's interesting that John always puts this word, this believe word, into its active verb form. John doesn't talk about belief as a noun, but as an action. Our belief in something, choosing to trust in something. It's an active word. Martha's statement is clearly an affirmation of faith. Yes, Lord, she tells him. Despite all the indications to the, to the contrary, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one that has power. I trust in you for the future. A bit later on, Jesus says, where have you laid him? In a couple of weeks, another Mary will ask this same question as she looks into a tomb. She will weep as Jesus does now. And here in this long passage of Scripture, we get one of the most profound verses in Scripture. It says, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. But why did he weep? Those around him assumed that it was for sorrow at the loss of his friend Lazarus. But Jesus knew before he even ever got to Bethany, before he even set out for Bethany, that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. So why then is Jesus weeping at the tomb of his friend that he knows he is about to raise back to life? Jesus wept not because he'd lost a friend, but because of the scene in front of him was full of chaos, full of suffering. It had come into the world to disrupt and destroy God's perfect plan. And there, was, there it was, right in front of him. Hope for the resurrection had been displaced by the chaos of sin and death. 
Those that had come to Jesus to the tomb didn't understand that Jesus wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping for them. You see, death stinks. There's no getting around it. We heard in the story that they say, don't open the tomb. The smell will be too bad. He's been dead for four days. Death is not part of God's perfect plan. So as we come towards the end, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. I want you to imagine that you're Lazarus in the tomb. Imagine waking up in the cave, wrapped tightly in cloth, unable to pull the coverings off your own face because your hands are still bound. It's dark. It stinks. What you smell is your own rotting flesh. But somehow it's not rotting anymore. But the stench still hangs in the cave. You hear a familiar voice, muffled, but you recognise it. Your dearest friend is calling you to come out. You don't even know which direction the door is or how to get to it. But you wriggle around enough to get up and inch your way towards where you think the door is and where you think the light is. As you trip over yourself, struggling to get free, there's a grasp, there's a gasp from the crowd that's gathered outside the cave. They are surprised as you to see you there, standing with bandages wrapped round your body. And then you need to decide. Do you fall back into the tomb? Or do you step out into the unknown? Because what lies ahead is new territory. No one has ever done this before. No one has ever been completely, unquestionably dead and then called back into new life after being buried in the tomb for four days. But here you are stumbling forward and the voice says unbind him unbind him unbind her let them go the bandages come off and you see Jesus standing there tears streaming down his face welcoming you back to life and in verse 45 it says Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This ultimate victory over death demonstrated God's power, his authority, his glory. But here's the thing. We can't experience resurrection until we experience death. We can't accept new life in Christ until we allow, allow our old sinful lives to, to end, to die. I guess my question to us this morning is, what do you need to let die in order that you can experience more of 
the fullness of the new life that Christ offers to us. What do you need to let die in order that you can come out of the tomb and step into that new opportunity, that new beginning? What binds you to death, prevents you living abundantly, fully, as that new creation, as that child of God, bought by the precious blood of Jesus? Whatever has kept you wrapped up in a dark cave of pride, hatred, lust, greed, deceit, whatever stinks in your life, wherever the stench of death is in your life, hear the voice of God, of Jesus calling you. Come out of here. Step into the new, full, abundant life that I have won for you. We need to decide, are we going to step forward, take a risk, allow the Lord Jesus to bring his freedom, his healing, his restoration, in order that we can enjoy more of that full, abundant life that he has won for us. You know, when I was reading one of these commentaries, uh, one of the things I, I noticed someone say, which really intrigued me, was that, did you notice in the story, in the gospel accounts, Jesus says, come out Lazarus. And, and this person speculates, Jesus could have said, come out, but his power and authority is so great that that may well have caused all the dead people to have arisen and come out. And so Jesus speaks directly, specifically, just to Lazarus, maybe so he doesn't get overwhelmed by loads of bodies. I don't know. But I want you to know today, people, that Jesus is here offering new life in the places in your own life where it feels like it's dead and there's the smell of death because of whatever it happens to be. I don't know what it is. But what Jesus wants to offer is new, free, abundant, full life. We need to be willing to deal with the death of self in order to embrace the full new life that Christ offers. We need to be willing to take up our cross and follow Jesus. So what is it that needs to die in your life? What about us as a church here at Christchurch? What do we need to let die as a congregation, as a community, as a family here at Christchurch, in order that we can see more of the fullness and the new life that Christ offers. What binds us so tightly that we can't move forward, that it holds us back, a shroud that keeps us from seeing clear, more clearly, more fully, who Jesus is and who he wants us to become. What prevents us from experiencing the fullness of that resurrection power that Christ won for us? So here we are, stumbling forward out of the cave into the entrance and we hear the voice of Jesus say, come out of there, come with me, follow me.
We're stepping into a new territory, a new kingdom, a new beginning with a new king. And Jesus is right there waiting for us. As I finish now, I'm just going to ask you those couple of questions and we have some silence. Where is God waiting for you? Where does Jesus want to bring freedom and new life and release? Why don't you pray, listen for God's word for you this morning? Where's the death that he wants to resurrect and bring new life? Where's the area you need to die to to experience more of that fullness? Pray and ask God to show you right now. just want to encourage you to keep listening for what it is that God's prompting you to respond to. Just to encourage you to stand and we're going to sing together. So here I am to worship, here I am to worship.